It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins on the grid. We got the twins on the immaculate grid, boys. Breaking news. How God meant it. And uh, it involves it, it involves wins above replacement as a category today, not which is God not like a, not a back of the baseball card stat. And there's no way to the like fan. really know for sure. But <laughs> but Brian Kenny so says for, right. Brian will be now. That's yeah. the show for the thinking fan. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what he says. So yeah, yeah. same thing with War. He'd be a little condescending sometimes. Oh, yeah, a a little. Like, yeah, he's uh, oh, he's, yeah. he's definitely yeah. condescending. <laughs> he used to just fight with people on Twitter about yeah. Stats and war the and all that stuff. So uh, toward the end of the episode, we are going to do a grid, and we need Twins players, and there's some other franchises too, that had a six wins above replacement season. So be thinking about, it, it's, it's in, in the RBI category, it's easy to remember, like, oh, that one year that uh, Delvin Young drove in 100, right? Like, it's back of the baseball card. For wins above replacement, it values, obviously, huge productivity, but also positional value. So, like, catchers have higher war. Uh, you know, compared to first baseman. So catchers, shortstops, pitchers, pitchers. center Lager fielders. Starting pitchers are good ones. Yeah, starting pitchers. Lodge played catcher, but I'm not, <laughs> but the productivity part is. I don't know about that one. He was an all-star though, 1988. He was, he was at Riverfront Stadium. <laughs> um, let's start with, let's just react to the Shohei Otani contract here. couple questions. Your guys' thoughts on the historic $700 million largely deferred for 10 years contract that Shohei Otani signed. So he signs this contract with the Dodgers. He's going to make $2 million a year for 10 years because yep. he's making so much money in like endorsements and outside right. baseball money. Right. And, uh, and that will allow the Dodgers a ton of payroll flexibility in the next 10 years, luxury tax, evasion or avoidance, and then they'll be on the hook for the 10 years after the contract for like 680 million of the 700 million dollars. Right. Should the poll ads have been thinking more creatively like this? Shohei. We'll uh we'll defer it we'll defer so, as much money as you want 20 years from now. So I think and I I know that uh, baseball fans and I don't even blame them. And a lot of people are very upset about this, right? Cuz it's like, well, the Dodgers aren't going to have to pay the luxury tax at least when they should be and this seems like a real rope a dope and, you know, uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN comes out with the immediate tweet, which basically says, hey, you might be upset. Ain't nothing you can do about this. But yeah. I think this contract is and I think the entire situation is it's almost like a college class because there's so many tentacles to it that I find to be intriguing. One is I don't think Shohei Otani this whole time was going anywhere but the Dodgers. The whole thing on Friday, which was what J.P. Morosi and somebody before him, I forget, they got it leaked. Hey, Shohei's on a, we think he's on a private jet from uh, from John Wayne in Orange County to Toronto, which ended up being the Shark Tank dude, which is hilariously funny. But I, th but supposedly, and I buy this, what the Otani camp did was they leaked this purposely because the Dodgers didn't know. And yeah. so the Dodgers are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I think the whole thing is that this was a rigged game. And, again, there can't, you can't not, like, there's nothing you can do to stop this. But I think Otani was going to the Dodgers the entire time. I think yeah. that that's they wanted to plant him. So, like, this whole, well, the Cubs are involved. They were all pawns. 
and the Dodgers finally caved. And and I'm I'm guessing that the Dodgers then said, okay, we'll go up to what you want, but we but we're going to get creative too. And they got incredibly creative. But I think there's two sides from the Dodgers standpoint, and I think that the most important side to this entire agreement is a business deal, not a baseball yeah. deal. And and what Agreed. this does what this does is this takes the Dodgers. And they already were, so I'm not implying that that this is going to be their first foray. But this takes them into Japan. This takes them into foreign countries, right, with merchandise sales. And so I think that this is the most important thing is the Dodgers are going to, in their minds, and they're probably right, recoup this contract through the business dealings, not even baseball. And then I think the least important thing at the end of the day is the baseball deal which on the surface to me does not make a ton of sense because he's a DH. We don't know when he's going to pitch again. Yes, he's a premier player, um, but with what you're potentially getting, this contract from just a pure baseball sense to me, you guys, wouldn't make sense, but it makes a ton of sense as a business contract. So like for all we're getting upset about this, again, I think this could be an entire class on the Shohei Otani situation, which to me goes way beyond what transpires on the baseball field. Oh, not that the twins had any shot whatsoever at Shohei Otani. Like that was not a conversation, but they, that, according to Doogie, they were very much in the mix on the initial bid. Like when, when he was coming over from Japan and the price was posting more reasonable. Fee at the time, right? That, yep. That started with a posting fee. Okay. Yep. Um, but I think what you're seeing now is all these teams like the twins that don't have an ownership stake in their TV partnership which about half the league is just like at the mercy of, they don't own their own TV rights, their own network. Um, There's a handful like the Padres. Now that might've gotten blown up. I think the Padres TV, but the Padres had negotiated like part ownership in theirs. But right now specifically with half the league trying to figure out where their local TV revenue is coming in. And then you get franchises like the Yankees and the Dodgers that own large chunks of their networks Mm -hmm. and they're bringing in, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, tens, hundreds of million, uh, millions of dollars a year. The gap between what teams like the Dodgers can do financially compared to teams like the Twins, I don't know that it's been wider. Like, the Twins are literally sitting here. There's been, on MLBTradeRumors.com, there's been two Twins posts in, like, 10 days. Nothing to do with free agency. Because they're not going to spend in free agency unless the prices come way down to the point where like in January, February. So my biggest takeaway is great for the Dodgers. I actually don't have any problem, but I do think this has to spark a conversation about creating some contract structure at some point to make the offseason more exciting and also just to, like, not avoid luxury tax for 10 years like the Dodgers are going to. They're going to reap the benefits of one of the best players in the history of the game while not having to pay luxury tax back to the league. And, And teams like... You know, the Rays and the A's, these teams at the bottom of the payroll structure and the revenue structure, they rely on teams like the Dodgers to subsidize them to some extent with that luxury tax. So it opens up a bunch of conversations. I think it also opens up just like more of a gap between teams like the Dodgers and the Twins for what they can do to bring players in. So I I think this contract is complete BS. I think it's horrible for baseball. I think it's it makes this sport already complicated, more complicated for the common fan. And the Dodgers were already the favorite to get Otani. And now they're going to shove 97% of this money into the future to avoid the luxury tax and avoid paying and all this stuff. And I think it's dumb. 
and for also baseball writers to come out and say before the Otani contract that we're failing baseball fans as members of baseball media, and then to shove a clause to say, actually, you can do this. You don't know about this. I think it's a horrible look. I think it's an absolute horrible look for baseball, and it's embarrassing, and this sport needs to get in better gracious with the common fan. And how come this is the only real sport where the TV payroll is so tied in to what a team can do that no one knows what the free agency plans are for a lot of these teams. Like the twins are just sitting here with their arms crossed, waiting for trades to happen or waiting for prices to come down. Meanwhile, the the best team with one of the most financial resources just signed a guy to $700 million. Actually, we're only going to pay him $2 million per season and shove 98% of that money into the future. I think it's a horrible look for baseball. I think it's really dumb. Yeah, I think it, it it's, it's definitely complicated and it, I think fans like structure with this stuff because, and I think, I think baseball needs to have some structure with this stuff so that it can be more entertaining and easier to follow. Right. Like in the NBA max contract, mm-hmm. you know, it's, right. it's very easy to sit around and, and just know exactly what the contracts are in football. Okay. Uh, there's a salary cap and the top quarterbacks make $50 million. And so we know like, what a $50 million quarterback versus a $10 million quarterback. Oh, we can use the extra $40 million on this. Like it's, it's a puzzle, right? In baseball, there is no puzzle. And then if they're in kind of is a puzzle, then teams can take it now and be like, Oh, we're going to actually play part of that puzzle. Like in 10 years from now. So I agree with Declan that it, it makes it more confusing. It makes it, it just disconnects it from the average fan that they're trying to get to be hooked on their product. Um, it is within the rules. So from that standpoint, I would say, listen, okay, players and owners, if you don't like it, media, if you don't like it, make some noise. And in three years from now, when everyone gets back at the collective bargaining table, then maybe they can put some more structure around some of this stuff. But the, the Dodgers did not break any rules. Shohei Otani, by the way, was comfortable enough saying, I don't need this money right now. I'd rather win a bunch of games and help the team. So pay me in 10 years. Not every player would be willing to do that. It's a risk, right? Like, what if he never pitches again? You know, he's not – I I just – I don't know. I think it, it's bad for baseball in some ways, but at the same time, it's not against the rules. So the Dodgers didn't do anything wrong. Well, and he's ma- making so much per year on, on endorsements, which m- most guys in baseball don't have, yeah. that he's fine. But the thing about it is, Dax, the problem is this, and and I feel like we're – and it's not surprising – there's a recency bias towards obsessing about the Otani contract. But I mean, if you look at baseball's offseason and structure, it is messed up as a whole. Like, like this is exploiting a problem. But to go back to what we talked about the last two weeks, you know, with no salary cap, which, by the way, you would have at this point on time a lockout that would probably last a year plus if you tried to implement a cap, which, by the way, I'd love to see. I think caps are good for fans because it presents an understandable parameter to contracts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in 2026, if baseball comes back and says we are going to, to, to do a cap, you're looking at a prolonged time with no baseball like that is a non-starter. Um, and despite the fact that it would provide a floor and a ceiling. The Players Association does not care about the floor. So, like, they don't care. If the Pirates are like, we're going to keep our payroll at something ridiculously low, they're they're like, that's fine. Because there's 29 other teams that are going to spend money. Exactly. Exactly. And now the TV thing provides an even bigger problem. But I honestly think, you guys, that the solution here, and I'm not naive enough to think that this is going to take place, but 
I think the solution here starts internally. I don't think it starts with the players. I think it starts with, with the fact that it is ridiculous, in my opinion, that there are so many haves and now a ton of have-nots on TV. The revenue. I mean, they only split one thing, the national in- income, and then there's the luxury tax. But the reality is this. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, they are raking in the dough. And that's not good for the sport. What would be good for the sport would be to somehow find a way to split that pie up. But, my God, there's just, from a business standpoint, you guys, there's so many problems here. And trying to solve them, trying to solve them is almost going to be impossible because I don't know who's going to agree on what. And and let's just, like, forget about the structure of the contract. The, The fact that the Dodgers are confident that over the next 20 years, they can pretty safely pay for this, whether it's now or later, like, they can afford three quarters of a billion dollars of a contract of just one player. And part of that's because, and this is according to the latest data that was, that was uh, uh, researched by fan graphs across all 30 teams, like how much money this isn't open knowledge. Like reporters have to go in and like pry open the books and find sources to figure out how much are teams making off of their TV revenue at last check. This is 2020. The Dodgers were making per year, almost $250 million a year off of their local TV deal, which they own 50% of the network. I think it's, is it Sportsnet LA? Yeah, I want to say. So $250 million. Yep. The twins at last report were right around like $53 million or something, right? $55 million. 55, I think, yeah. So in local TV revenue alone, this does not count the fact that a Los Angeles-based team, the Dodgers, with a much wider reach of popularity, rakes in merchandise money hand over fist you know more than the twins do sponsorship stadium like all the population la all that stuff that's all considered local revenue local tv local merchandise local you name it right local even like local ticket sales more expensive to go to a dodgers game than it is to go to twins game yep so why would the dodgers if approached by major league baseball or the players or or the commissioner Say, hey, we got to even the scale here a little bit, man. We can't, we can't have, can't have this type of gap financially. Why would the like the Dodgers are saying, well, wait a second, we are the ones with our brand and our product bringing in all. Why should we have to give more of the money that we earn to the Twins or the Rays or the A's or some of these poverty franchises, the Royals, right? Mm-hmm. So at its core, like in the NFL, yes, the New York Giants are worth more money than the Buffalo Bills because of market size and history and visibility, right? But the product is on national TV at a much bigger level, audience, interest, everything. And so in in the NFL and even in the NBA, a much, much, much larger percentage of the league's revenue is shared across all the teams because it's national TV deals. Baseball, the national TV deals are peanuts compared to some of the other leagues because nobody watches. Nobody watches Sunday night baseball anymore. And so, like, it's a locally driven sport. And when you've got half the league without a local TV deal, which is a huge chunk of their revenue, and then you got teams like the Dodgers that are already huge, bringing in a quarter of a billion dollars a year in TV revenue, this is what happens. They get access to Shohei Otani, and then they get creative with the contract, and now they're probably going to get somebody else because they've got a ton of room financially. Josh Hader, I guess, and... They also might get the other uh, what Japanese pitcher who's going to yeah. uh, come o- over. So yes, no, you're right. But here's the so here's the thing with with baseball though, because this is this is not good for fans. Like what's going on? It's not good for fans. Um, 
the thing with baseball is they took some really positive steps, I felt, in the past year to solve on-field problems, right? The shifts got banned. Like, they improved the game. I don't think there's any question about it. No matter what you thought going in, the game itself was far more pleasing to watch in 2023 than 2022. They now need to take as long and hard of a look at fixing, and it's going to be tougher because it's business decisions, at fixing not not just the structure contracts, but what we've talked about the entire offseason. Yep. And I know that there's frustrated Twins fans. Well, wait a second. The Polad family is worth several billion dollars, whatever. Well, I don't know all the finances in terms of like the personal finances for the Dodgers current ownership group, but they're not spending $700 million of their net worth. They're spending the money based on the what revenue the Dodgers are bringing in right. in baseball's current economic system. And that's that's why they are... They're not taking a huge loss to sign Shohei Otani, <laughs> you know? No, in fact, they're clearly not money. in the next 10 years. They're not. And they're going to make off this. But, well, the, the team to, the team that actually to watch now, and they're not comparable to the Twins because the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth market is far bigger than Minneapolis-St. Paul, but the Rangers are. So, the Ra- so Bally's in Texas. Bally's has bailed on the contract. And I already saw a story that the Rangers – we're hoping to bring uh, Jordan Montgomery back who they got from the Cardinals and played a key role in their world series championship and basically have said, we can't do it now because mm-hmm. we don't have. And so if you look at their payroll though, if the Texas Rangers are sincerely like, Oh my God, we're in some trouble here. Look at the guys that they have signed. I mean, yeah. they got some big contracts. They might, bail. if they start to dump, that's going to make the twins problems look small because that's a team that basically, to a large degree, Texas did, did a hell of a job of buying a World Series title. I but know. I don't know that they, they can keep did. those guys. They so. did. Yeah, I think it's just it's frustrating for baseball just because it's the only sport where we have like these weird financial rules that no one understands with, with when it comes to TV deals, when it comes to arbitration, when it comes to service time. Like it's the only sport of the four men's major sports that is I don't think that any common fan can really understand how this works. Well, you get, you know, if you're called up before June 1st, it doesn't tick on your service time. But if he finishes first or second rookie of the year, it does go on to service time. It's just the financial part of Major League Baseball needs a complete change, complete overhaul. Yeah. And if you're the Dodgers, you're like, no, it doesn't. No, right. If you're the Yankees, Yankees, you're like, like, no, it doesn't. Right. Hey, we're good. That's the problem. It's crap. So, uh, well, we th- there is twins news here to get to from a couple days ago from the athletic. You know, it's big, big winter meetings. You know, a lot of stuff buzzing. So, give it, so, yeah, it's give it to big me. Twins what? news here. What's the excitement? Uh, yeah. No. Hot stove <laughs> heating up here. Oh, it's not cold. The Twins last week received what is becoming a frequent reminder that their minor league pitching development program is performing well. Oh, boy. When the Red Sox poached their minor league pitching coordinator, Justin Willard, and added him to the Red Sox big league staff. The Twins minor league pitching coordinator since January 2021. Willard is the third high-profile minor league coach hired by an outside organization in the past three years. So that's the... That's the biggest twins news of I think that came out like midweek full even disclosure, last week we didn't get to it. <laughs> full disclosure, I'd never heard of him until I read that. Well, that sounds like more of a you problem. He's done a good job. Clearly the twins. No, I know, no, has... I'm just saying I hadn't heard of him. No, I said that's why I said full disclosure. I'm not blaming okay. anybody but myself. But I'm just saying I'd never even heard of him. Yeah. It's, well, it's like he, when I think I don't think there's any household name like minor league pitching coordinators yeah. around baseball. 
it's like when when the Twins lost their uh, catching coach to the Yankees like four years back, who I think had helped Garver at the time or something, and so the Yankees came in and mm-hmm. poached him. So all these big, it's all these big teams with all the TV cash throwing it around to these coaches. They've done, I will say, like they've done a good job. I mean, the, the Twins have really uh, the last seven years beefed up a lot of their their just internal personnel and staff, and so they, there are some guys like, I mean, hell, uh, Wes Phillips. Wes Phillips was regarded high enough to go get like one of the highest profile college coaching jobs. Wes Johnson right? or Wes Johnson. Sorry, Wes Phillips is. Working he's on not. a legal situation right yeah, now. Yeah, he's got his own. Yeah. He's got problems, but it ain't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he's the uh, Georgia coach now, right? Yep. That was exactly, I think, his path, right? Go be, yeah, take a jump time. here and then move over to Georgia. So, yep. I don't know. So, we're still waiting on the Twins to make an actual roster move. As we update you every single episode, the outgoing, the what's the transaction scoreboard? The outgoing players from last year's. Division championship twins team that won a playoff series for the, for the first time in 20 years. Sonny Gray outgoing. Kent Maeda outgoing. Emilio Pagan outgoing. Michael A. Taylor free agent. Donovan Solano free agent. Joey Gallo free agent. Probably addition by subtraction. Incoming? Talk nobody, to me. Nobody yet. They have not brought anyone in despite losing all those players. So still got two months until pitchers and catchers report in, uh, Early to mid-February. Smelling Plenty a trade. Time. That's what I'm smelling. I'm smelling a trade coming down the pike. Boy, do you think a trade happens? Usually front offices shut down for two weeks around the holidays. Like, this would be like yeah. the last week usually of oh, action. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a January thing at this point, right? Yeah. Th- I, I think mean, we're going to oh. I, I get something, though. I think we're going to get something in January that that is a name that's not Polanco or Kepler, but it's somebody that we're at least a little bit surprised. I mean, even the Royals are going after like Giolito, Jack Flaherty, uh, Michael Waka. But like, can the can the Twins pick up the damn phone and do something here, please? I'm just asking as a fan. Can we like can we get something to well, to sink our teeth into for God's sake? Season tickets, Declan. They they'd have the cash too. But see see what you did. I haven't got an email in a while. <laughs> they gave up on you. No, they they. they, they I think champion. they sent one right either after the playoffs started or maybe right before. And the, again, the offer of like sit in my seats for game one, if you like renew, you know, for 2024. But now that I'm, you know, in East Jesus nowhere, I, uh, I don't think I'm going to be traveling to the ballpark for season tickets. Wow. I hear people from people home. from Woodbury don't go to twins games. Uh, I don't know if they get season tickets. Where did that phrase come from? East, East Jesus, Jesus nowhere. Uh, it's from uh, uh, Juno, the movie Juno, oh, which is actually also yeah, some Minnesota ties. <laughs> Great movie. Mm-hmm. Very underrated movie, yeah. Uh, well, we'll get to an immaculate grid here that has the twins on it and some interesting categories. Presented by our friends at Zero Res. Is your home ready for the holidays? Or is your home a complete mess? Is your carpet disgusting? Zero Res, with their 4.9 rating out of 5 on Google with 17,000 reviews, is here to help you deep clean your home before the holiday gatherings. If you call Zero Res today or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com, you can ask for the Score North Special and get three rooms Zero Resified starting at just $129. And this month, get $75 off when you get your air ducts cleaned. 952-Zero-Res and ZeroResMinnesota.com. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero Res. All right, boys. So we have a very unique immaculate grid here in that we've got two statistical categories, one being an analytical category, 
that we don't have like most people don't have like inherent knowledge of how many wins above replacement a player had. You might, but we. I, I've got. I actually do have some, just because I used to live on Fangraphs for like mm-hmm. five years of my life as a baseball beat writer. But um, like we we can tell you that guys had forty save seasons over the course of X amount, so we can get you the three hundred save guys a lot easier than like the wins above replacement. But uh, here's what we're looking for: a red who was a Nat or an Expo, a red who had three hundred career saves. And a red who had a six wins above replacement season. A twin who was a Nat or an Expo. A twin with 300 career saves. And a twin with a six war season or better. And then a Cardinal who was a Nat or an Expo. A Cardinal with 300 career saves. And a Cardinal who was a six win player in a season. For that for that war category, we're basically looking for players who were awesome in one year. And probably played premium positions to be safe, like pitcher, shortstop, and they have to have center with, field. Has to be with that team in that season, correct? Correct. Yes. The saves don't have to all be with, like for the sure. Twins, you know, the Twins have had, well, Lee like Smith is one that, like, Lee Smith is the all-time saves guy. He played for the Cardinals, for instance. Yeah, Jeff like, Reardon would count. Reardon would count. Gotcha. Uh, okay. like, a, like Todd Jones was closing until he was 40. He played, like, two years with the Twins. I think he played for the Reds. Todd too. Jones would... Todd Jones was a red as well. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Yeah. So should we start with the twins here? Twins. Let's do it. Judd, you pick the square. Where do you want to start? Uh, start twins expos. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not nationals. I'm tired. Nationals. Come on. This is Otis, expos. Otis Nixon. Otis Nixon. Pete McCannon, who I guarantee you oh would be super God. low. Pete Did we use him one time? Yes. I think we might have used him for... We might have used him as a Philly, too, but... He was a second baseman in a platoon with Rob Wilfong after Bobby Randall left. Um, very serviceable player. He'll be low. John Kurt Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki. John Roush. John yep. Roush, man. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the John Roush one. I'm pretty sure Zach Duke works for all three of these team squares. Zach nice. Duke pitched for mm. so many teams. Mm. He for also, sure was uh, a red and uh, national. Oh, you know who else? I Jose Morales, who was a catcher slash DH, oh my God, yeah. played for played for the Expos. Not not the one you're th- thinking oh. of. One in the seventies, the, the, the old one, the old school Jose Morales. The older we the, can go on some of these, the more the, the more we're the one get. I'm certain is super low. Tyler Clipper, also, but he's probably going to be. He's a little hot. I think high. Nationals know him. Yeah. Would okay. you? Uh, I mean, Pete McCann. I don't. I can't fight that really. Denard Span, but he's going to be more yeah, high. higher. Yeah, yeah. I think we're. Be- Orlando I think we Cabrera was an expo. expo. I think we definitely go with an expo. Is that it right there? McCann. Yep. Yep. You got him. Yep. That's him. Below. Under one. Under one. Point two. Point two. Let's go. It's confident. I was very confident. Okay. Well, we just rattled off like there's. It's funny the twins actually have a ton of big save guys like yeah. uh, Joe Nathan's top ten, top fifteen, all time. Fernando Aguilera's, Rodney. He closed till he was forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mentioned Todd Jones was a closer till he was about forty. Yeah, there's a lot of good choices here. Um, Who's the lowest? Do you think? Who's not associated with the twins? I mean, Fernando Rodney not really associated with the Twins, but it wasn't that long. Those ago. the ones who pass through like that are always the best ones. So I would yeah, say of the Jones. ones we just named, 
I mean, Aguilera is old school enough, but he's probably going to be high among Twins fans. Todd Jones would be good, right? I don't think but people Todd Jones. Him. I think we should save that. Todd Jones works with the Reds. Too, yeah, we right? should save oh, that for okay. Reds. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So if we Good went idea. Todd Jones Reds and Fernando Rodney Twins, do we put Todd Jones for Reds just to do it? Let's try to think of other Reds options real quick. Uh, Dibble, <laughs> Dibble, Charl- Charlton, Randy Myers, Randy Myers. Oh my God! Because the Nasty Boys all, all had to end up north of three hundred saves, right? I don't know, man. Norm that, was Charles, short, that was a that was a brief flash of and then they all for those went teams. and became and became closers. Did Norm um, well? Norm Charlton closed for the Mariners for a while. Yeah. Randy Myers saved. He played for everybody, right? Because he played for the Cubs. He played for the Padres. He for started, mm-hmm. I think, in Cincinnati. Okay, there's a name that could work real quick, Judd. I need your history perspective here. Um, one of the there's. He was. I remember him as a Met when I was a kid in the '90s, but I know he also was an Expo and a Red in like the late '80s. John Franco. John Franco, John Franco was a closer. I don't know if he was more of a setup guy closer or what, but that dude pitched. That dude was like early '40s when he retired, right? I mean, he was pitching like yeah well, in the 2000s. He was a he was a Red in the '80s, if I'm not mistaken, and then eventually got dealt to the Mets and. He was from New York, so he became known more yeah. as a Met. I think Todd Todd Let's Jones, Jones. Oh, not going to be a Red, right? Let's go the mustache. He's not going to be associated with the Reds. Todd. Todd, Todd, Todd. Below. Under Point five. eight. Yep. Yep. Point, Point eight. eight. Yep. He looks like and a then that would, too. That would leave uh, Fernando Rodney, right? Yes. For the for the twin? Yep. Okay. Nine. Let's do it. It's going to be – It's. It's going to be tough. It's like Joe Nathan, like what, Reardon or Aguilera, and I think Twins fans yeah. probably know him more too. So, That's Eddie Gordado didn't get. No, he was. Like I don't a think so. Three year closer. Um, you want to knock off the okay. four twin? So we're looking for big. Yeah, talk to hey, the, the the older school we can go here. To I mean, we could also go like Walter Big Train Johnson, probably. You know, in the in the uh, which call it days, Senators days. Centers. But the guys that popped into my head in terms of like, like if we go back a ways, big seasons, Chuck Knobloch mm-hmm. in the 90s had a couple big seasons playing premium second base, middle infield. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go back like any number of the Oliva, Bly 11, like go go back. Carew. Jim Cott. Jim Cott. So like what what is the d- does war include fielding by a pitcher? Oh yeah. Yes, it does. Like Jim but I don't know what I'm... percentage of your Okay. Jim Cott would be interesting. Although I remember Jim Cott being less of a peak greatness guy and more of like a, just a steady good player oh, over yeah. the years. Six, just to be clear, a 6 war season would be like the top 5 to 10 players in baseball every year. There's not okay. that like the best players gotcha. in baseball are Mike Trout at his best is like a 10 war player in a season. Um, so how many twins, Killebrew, even as a first baseman, Killebrew probably hit enough to have a six-war season. I know. Yeah. Mauer's MVP year for sure. War yep. was never kind to Justin Morneau. He was not a he's high a first baseman guy. that wasn't yeah. an elite oh. defensive first baseman. Yeah. But was... Mauer was a catcher, so he gets extra credit for value. And people are probably picking that because they know Mauer. Viola? He, he was a Cy Young winner, right? Yep. What a, um, That's a great one, actually. You know, he like finished 
he had a really good year, and like, he was actually just a workhorse. You never. Know, what about Radke? He had like, a twenty win. So it's funny he had a twenty win season. Yeah. But the uh, but the the pitcher wins have nothing to do with wins above replacement. But mm-hmm. but that season he was. If you compare him to like all the rest of the pitchers in baseball, yeah. he was one of the best pitchers in the league. He it was. was a steroid year. It's interesting. And Viola, same thing. And Johan he was work. one of the best pitchers. Johan would would be for sure. Mm-hmm. Tori. Did Tori Pull get the trigger, six? Man. Elite center fielder. Yeah. Pull the trigger. I trust um, you more on this than I do okay. myself for sure. Right. I I almost feel like we we should go old, like the older school we can go. Okay. The less likely it'll be, and that's where. But I was gonna say like Tony Oliva because I feel like he's a kind of a forgotten twin. But I kind of love the the Frank Viola angle here. Frank Viola was was one of the best pitchers in baseball for like two years with the Twins, eighty seven, and then yep. I think he came back and won the he he won the Cy in eighty eight. Yep. But want to try Frankie? Sweet music. Let's do it. Let's try Frankie. Frankie Viola. One time. One percent. One percent, dude. Okay, since we're on the war subject here, a guy that we've used on the Cardinals front, we've used him like five times for, he was a Cub, he was a Cardinal. Rogers Hornsby is a Hall of Famer from a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. I would say, again, like the older school, the Cardinals have guys like Jim Edmonds was a center fielder, Pujols, there's guys like that. Right. But I would give you two old school Cardinals that were Hall of Famers. One was a pitcher. One was Rogers Hornsby. Dizzy Dean was the other one. He was a Hall of Famer yep. from like way back in the day. What about Those Ozzie? guys? Ozzie Smith. Ozzie, Ge- Ozzie Smith was the greatest shortstop of all time. That'll get you warp. That dude might have been a six war defensive Six-war. player back in the day. So. But he's also the most popular Cardinal maybe of all time. Stan Musial, kind of the same thing. Like Stan the man. Hornsby? Um, We've never failed with Rogers Hornsby on the grid. Yeah, he was an unbelievable player. So, mm-hmm. Raja. Raja. Yep. Look at that career. 3%. Look at that hat. 3%. Yeah. Nice. Uh, right. so we f- five, let's do five, five minutes on the clock here, by the way. Phil, uh, I have to record a historical pie chart. Yep. Uh, the we used, filled with we, we used, we used uh, this guy for strikeouts. Remember Aaron Harang? He even led the league in strikeouts. Do you think he for what for the for the, uh, for the Reds for the Reds six war? Uh, he led the league in strikeouts. We've used him for like two hundred strikeouts before with the Reds in that season. Do you think he got to six war? Um, I mean, he was really good. Yeah, he was another guy. T- yeah, in terms of position players, there's a few gimmies here that you like. Ray Lankford was a was an infielder like. Barry, or I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. Langford was a Cardinal. I'm wrong yeah. on that. Uh, Lar- Barry Larkin. I get Langford and Larkin mixed up. Oh. Barry Larkin would have been a shortstop. Yeah. That probably and the old school here. Reds, like like you got bench behind the plate. You got um, Tony Pere- uh, Tony Perez, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Frank Robinson. No. I don't think it's up. You say him. yeah? Ooh, no, I didn't. That's an interesting one. Well, Frank Robinson so Frank, was was a he was tra- so he was traded from the Reds to the Orioles, but I think he he, he, had he an played MVP. He, he played like half his career with the Reds, and he had sure. an MVP season there, right? Because I think he won MVPs in the National and American League. Hmm, that's an interesting one. It's old school because I feel like bench is going to be really popular. 
Another one, kind of like Viola in like that Big Red Machine uh, or the the Nasty Boys era of Reds baseball. Uh, Jose Rio was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a very small handful of years. A a flash of greatness for like three years. Might have won a sigh as well. Tom Seaver was a red. But that's, again, I would rely on you to, to know what the war of, like, a guy... I mean, I'm sure it's high for his career, but I, I don't know. But yeah, we're kind of we're kind of fishing without a yeah. GPS on the war stuff, but in general, if you pick players that were among the best for at least a season, like, you're pretty safe with six war, which is why they set the bar at six war. Gotcha. So, I would go, let's go old school. Let's pick an old school guy. You just named a bunch of them. Do you want to go Frank? If if you're pretty sure Frank, I, I think Frank Robinson will like. I I feel like the ones I named are going to be pretty popular. Joe Morgan, ben, Bench Rose Morgan. I feel like those names are probably going to be more on the tip of the tongue of fans than Frank Robinson. I would say either Frank Robinson or Gamble on uh, Gamble on Jose Rio. I've wanted to use him. We just haven't found the right. Actually, we, I think we tried to use him one time with like 200 strikeouts, and he came. He was like 190 something. But Frank, Frank Robinson. All right, let's pull it. Frank trigger. the Tank. Yeah, three percent. There's no three. Oh, nice, nice. Good job. Good job. Good job. I feel like bench. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have one for the top left. There was a trade. The uh, Austin Kearns trade from 2006 affected greatly my fantasy baseball team that I've told you guys about for a long time, where we have 33-man rosters and 16 guys in the league. Yeah, thanks for telling us. And in that trade, so that was a trade between the Reds and the Nationals. It was like an eight-player trade. And uh, there were – so Austin Kearns would work because he was the centerpiece of that trade. But there was also a reliever named Bill Bray that was involved in that trade. Bill Bray, Felipe Lopez, and I can't remember the other. But it was like Kearns and three relievers were involved, and Bill Bray was one of the relievers involved in that trade. There's no way I can. Don't ask me why or how I remember that. Pete Rose ain't going to beat that (laughs) because Pete was an expert. This is the top left square for the Nats and the Billy Bray. It's going to be be low one for sure. Point three. Point three. Right. How do you? I don't. I don't have no. I don't remember Billy Bray's name, much less. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use it's Zach. Funny what sticks and what doesn't. I'm going to use Zach Duke, Zach Duke for the basically the same reasons Phil just has that I have an, sure. an encyclopedia of Zach Duke stats. Sure. Point two. Point two. Oh, that's nice, you guys. Relievers and relievers then are key. for 300 career save uh, Cardinals. There's two that pop into my mind. Lee Smith is the obvious one, and then yeah. Jason Isringhausen was also. Yeah. A long time. Is closer. there anyone else like passed a, through their bullpen? Yeah, like is there like or like a goose gossage or like an Eckersley that like was there a stop? Or Bruce Bruce Suter and Raleigh Fing, yeah. Fingers were on the team at the same time, and Fingers got moved immediately to the Brewers. Bruce Suter closed for the Cardinals for a long time, oh, and he's a Hall yeah. of Famer. But I feel like he'll be pretty popular too, to be honest. And Fingers never played for the Cardinals. He was only with them transactionally. Well, yeah. Declan mentions Dennis Eckersley's name, and Dennis Eckersley did finish his career uh, with the Cardinals oh, in the 90s. Did he? Okay. Yeah, okay. he was there with... Oh, uh, then let's go with him. He was there, I believe, Mark McGuire's first year. No they one's going to remember. That's a good one. If that's, I, I forgot that. I that's great. There's always like bounces like that. 
There are, yeah. Okay. And he pitched. It's going to be low. Yeah, that's a lot of years. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be, well, great starter to start his career. Oh, he did it. What was nice. What, what was it? 13. He was actually the highest. Oh, my of God. The, of, our, of our squares. Um, yeah. That tells you how many, go down and see how many closers oh, are there even. Okay. There's so there's six literally five. six, five, and eight. Yeah. So you're you're not yeah. going to go too I'm low. What Bruce Suter was. So that was 13%? Yep, for Eckersley. Gotcha. 31% for the rarity score on the grid itself. So, there you go. If you guys can find the audience more obscure twins options for some of these, let us know. We always like to see the obscure ones. Um, we'll do a random twin of the week later this week. It's Judd's turn to throw out the random twin, so we'll do that sometime. Probably like Thursday or Friday. It's ready to go. It's ready to go, and it's going to be difficult. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, we're uh, we're with you all off season here on the Scorner Twin Show. So thank you guys for for finding us on this podcast. If you could help spread the word by giving us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, that'll go a long way. As we just brought this show back in July after a couple year hiatus, so appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next time on the Scorner Twin Show.